was definitely in a creative rut for a year. But I wasn't doing anything. I was went to work, came home, watched TV, went to bed. Not doing anything creative, not doing anything new. It was like, okay, well, I want to learn something new. What do I want to learn? And I started following all these artists, and then I started seeing lettering pop up. Well, I've always written my name cool, so I'm just going to write my mm-hmm. name cool. I dove headfirst into lettering and just suddenly was like, this is what I'm going to do with my time. Welcome back to Sustaining Craft, the podcast all about the stories of those in a creative field. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me today Katie Raines. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. What do you do? Uh, I'm a graphic designer at Collier's International. Awesome. So what does that entail? Everything. Um, (laughs) So they didn't have a marketing department at all when I, about a month before I started, and then my boss said, we have to have a designer. And so now I've gotten to do everything from photography to web to social media to actual graphic design work where sometimes it's logos, sometimes it's flyers, but day-to-day stuff and then big picture stuff where I do books and all kinds of stuff. Oh, wow. (laughs) So there's no typical day for you, no typical week. No, it's (laughs) it's different and it's just kind of based on the needs of the brokers mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And did you go to school for graphic design? I did. Yeah, I went to UALR. Okay. And what is that? Uh, it's the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. Okay. And so. you got your degree in graphic design? Yeah. Graphic design, the minor in professional technical writing. Okay. Great. And is that where you met your husband? Yes. Okay. Holden? Yeah, Holden. Okay. Uh, we were freshmen okay. when I met him. So okay. second semester of freshman year and we started dating. Mm-hmm. And then got engaged while we were in school, got married while we were in school. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a lot to deal with. Well, mm-hmm. And then he went on to do law school, and that was like our first year of marriage was him studying being in law school. So. Oh, wow. And that'll put pressure on a relationship. Yes. <laughs> Everyone says the first year is the honeymoon year, but when your husband's going to law school and you're in your senior year and working, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And what year was that? 2014 to 15. Okay. Yeah. And is that when you got your um, your current job? Yes. Mm-hmm. And how did you find that position? So I found this position. Somebody had emailed me through UALR's, I guess, art email, just kind of the general art email um, to say, like, hey, there's this job opening. And one of my teachers emailed me and was like, hey, you should do this. And so I saw it and I was like, heck yeah, like it's an internship. They just want part time. This would be perfect for my senior year or over the summer, or whatever. So I was actually in Hawaii when I found the email on my honeymoon, and my husband was still asleep, so I got up super early, and I had my, luckily I had my laptop with me, and I finished my portfolio, and like, sent my resume, and I sent it to my current boss now, and she, she emailed me back, like, the same day, and was like, oh, I want to, I want to bring you in for an interview. She was like, what time can you come in? And I was like, well, I'm actually in Hawaii, (laughs) so I guess, uh, when I get back next week, and she was like, why are you emailing me on your honeymoon? <laughs> I was like, because I want this job. Like, that's why. So, um, so I interviewed the next week, so a little jet lag, but it was fun. Um, and I thought I bombed it, but yeah. she was like, no, you brought in all these cool materials. And mm-hmm. so, and the, you know, and the other guy didn't show up for the interview. So I was the only person to interview, so <laughs> I got the job. That's awesome. Yeah. And that became a full-time job. Yeah. 
So it started off just as an internship where it was 20 hours a week and then worked during school. So I went into the office a couple of days a week and if I needed to, I took a laptop home. So if something had to be done, I could work after I got out of class um, on weekdays. And then maybe a month before my graduation, they offered me a full-time job. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. So then there, there's a immense feeling of security yes. <laughs> to be able to graduate from school with a full-time job. Exactly, yeah. And what made you want to get into graphic design? I've always been practical. So I've been doing art probably my whole life. Like I have still pictures from when I was like five, four, three, you know, really little and crayon and I'm like okay I've always loved doing art and then some you know as a kid you're just like oh I want to be an astronaut oh I want to be a doctor blah 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 and so I did all of that and then by the time I was in like ninth ninth grade I was taking art classes and then we consolidated schools because I was in a tiny school so we consolidated twice (laughs) which opened up more options for classes so they started offering they didn't call them graphic design classes it was like some kind of business class, but they taught Adobe InDesign and Adobe Photoshop, and so I, t- I took those, and they let me take them concurrently because you're supposed to take them one year or another, but it was my senior year at that point that we did all that, so they let me take them at the same time, and that was the final, like, okay, I love these programs, this is really cool, and it's and we had to research a job in that class, and so I researched a graphic designer at that point, so I knew what they did, I knew how much they made, um, and I knew how in demand they were. And practical me was like, well, graphic design makes way more sense than fine art. <laughs> like I can, you know, it would be, make more sense for me to go do this than to do fine art. And still but, doing something you loved, which was art, the final way to actually yeah. survive. <laughs> and I figured I could do the graphic design full time and then do fine art on the side and still have fun with it. And because I'd heard of so many people doing fine art, and then after a couple of years, they, you know, they hate that they have to mass produce stuff and they just like feel like it's not art anymore. I'm like, I never want to feel like I hate my art because I've been doing it, you know, so long. Yeah. There is something that happens and that's come up on the podcast before, I believe, when you have to make money doing something you love, Mm -hmm. it it takes away from the soul of it. Yeah. And that's what art is, is an expression of the soul, whether it's photography or, you know, fine art or writing, you're pulling out something very deep and intimate inside yeah. of you and you're, you're sharing that and exposing that to others. So once you attach a price tag to it, it transforms and becomes something very different. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk about what kind of graphic design entails because I think sometimes, I know I didn't really quite get it and I didn't understand the tools behind it. Mm-hmm. So there's there's graphic design that you're putting something on a page. You can you can pull the text around an image. You yep. can you're setting up kind of the design work. There's also the graphic design where you're actually creating an image from scratch and that's where your mm-hmm. tools come in because you have to be able to pluck that image out of a background yeah. and stick it onto something else. That's with a logo. So there's a lot of technical elements to it. Can mm-hmm. you explain some of that? funny because both of those things I do regularly at my job. So we do a lot of template works and that's all InDesign. Um, That's page layout. So that is where you can look at a page and somebody gives you all this information and you figure out how to fill the page correctly with it and you know you use images and sometimes I have to go find free images and that's a little bit of a bump is there's a lot of people that don't know about copyright laws Mm -hmm. and you have to check you can't just go onto Google Images and a lot of people at my work think I can just go into Google Images and they'll send me something from Google I'm like 
no, I need to check that. And I have a couple of websites that I use that give me like one free photo a month. And one of them's like, I think Big Stock or does, um, you can buy photos from Big Stock. Um, and we have kind of a working folder that I can slowly just grab new photos into that we've paid for that are free. So when someone creates something, whether it's a photograph yeah. or a drawing, they own the rights to it. Yes. And sometimes people can steal or, or mimic it, mm -hmm. but that the copyright laws exist to protect original work of art. Yeah. So people tend to think that it's public domain. If it's out there, you can just take it. But to really own and use high-resolution images, mm -hmm. a lot of the images you find on Google are not high-resolution. Yeah. And that just means that you lose pixelation, so mm -hmm. you're getting It'll be blurry. Fuzzy. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then if you try to take someone's drawing, that's something that put someone put time into and expertise, yeah. and they own it. Yeah. So paying for the images is part mm -hmm. of what you do. Also, we're an affiliate to a big corporate company that's uh, worldwide, okay. and so we have a lot of resources through them. So they will give us pre-made templates, or you know, they have an icon set that they that they created and kind of passed down to everybody. So it kind of gives me some small standards, so I don't have to create everything from scratch every day. Mm -hmm. um, I can use like this little icon they created of a building, and I can make all kinds of graphics with it and change the colors and whatever I need to. But for the most part, I don't create individual illustrations for work. Mm -hmm. It's come up a couple times where I've been able to insert some creative stuff that I've done and kind of like, okay, hey, wanna wanna fit this in here, you know, mm -hmm. make something cool. Um, but a lot of times we have a short deadline because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's very business and it's like these guys have been talking to their owner for months mm -hmm. and months and months. Mm -hmm. And then um, suddenly the owner is like, okay, I wanna meet you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Or I'm gonna be down there in two hours. and they bring it to me and they're like, okay, I need it in an hour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I don't always get the time to spend it on it as I want. But I do have, I have gotten like logo stuff through my current work, like the building we work in, I got to help brand. And that was working with 10 people <laughs> on one logo, which is really hard. Committee work. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a send it off and then mm -hmm. it takes two months for mm -hmm. it to come back. Yeah. But that I do use Photoshop and InDesign daily. And that's, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, can you Photoshop this sticker off of a window? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> it was fun watching them slowly learn what I could do because mm -hmm. they would start off so small and they'd be like, okay, well, can you do this? Like, okay, well, can you do this? And at some point I had to be like, okay, I looked that up. No, I can't. I legally can't get rid of that. I promise. Like I, I could physically, but legally we can't, you know, you can't get rid of streetlights and you can't get rid of which like weird stuff. I've learned so much about commercial real estate in the last four years. <laughs> stuff I never thought I would care to learn. <laughs> but it's a really interesting just how many weird rules there are and what you can Photoshop out because it's if it's something that can't be quickly removed, you can't Photoshop it out. Oh interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. If you have to spend a certain amount of time on it, that's when the rules come in. Yeah. Like if somebody would have to go like move a street light yeah. to get it out of the picture but if it's like a sticker on a window and like yeah someone should have should go mm -hmm. just wipe it off you know then I can photoshop it out <laughs> that's fascinating I yeah. mean, maybe no one else finds it fascinating but yeah. to me I'm like wow I, yeah, I just know the weirdest stuff who knew well I would love to circle back to something you had mentioned before we started recording which was the whole idea of negotiating for your salary yes so was the internship paid 
Yes, okay. it was. That one was kind of interesting because they gave me a set amount. They said $11 an hour. Mm-hmm. And the lady that was going to be my boss actually was like, you can ask for more money if you want to. If you don't think it's, if you don't think we're paying you enough, you can ask. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I'm done. <laughs> so she kind of encouraged that first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I said like 13 and we settled on 12 or whatever, mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. And I was like, okay, still a dollar more. Mm-hmm. And then that led to when they got me the full-time job, I negotiated again. <laughs> I negotiated because I did a lot of research beforehand. And so I, I knew what the average should be for a graphic designer, and it was quite a bit lower. And I was like, they could tell that I was not happy with their offer. And I'd already been there a year mm-hmm. interning, so they didn't want to lose me just because they couldn't pay me enough. Yeah, it's an investment. At that yeah, point. I'd already taught them a lot, and they taught me a lot. You know, so at that point, I came back with a number, and I was like, this is way below what everybody else gets paid mm-hmm. as a graphic designer in the industry. You should be here. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, we can't do here yet, but we'll meet you in the middle. And they probably upped it by 4000 mm-hmm. per year. And at that, and then a couple years later throughout the years, now I've met that, that minimum and a little bit above now that I initially was like, oh, I have to be there. Mm-hmm. And so they've been able to make it there, mm-hmm. which I'm glad, and they value what I do, and they trust what I do at this point, but they wanted to make sure, because, you know, I was fresh out of college, right. <laughs> they didn't know, they, mm-hmm. and they, they'd never had a marketing team, mm-hmm. so they didn't know what I could do and how useful I would be, so they were just like, I don't know if you're worth that yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a big thing, too, I think women struggle with this more, I mm-hmm. think we kind of approach jobs a little bit differently, there's yeah. been research on that where women are just like, I'm just so thankful to have this job, I'll take whatever, yeah. where men are like, oh, I'll find I'll find something else, if that's yeah. what you're paying, like, I'm, I'm ready to walk away, Yeah. and I do think more women need to kind of have that idea of like, well, I need to be prepared to walk away, Yeah. and that's hard, because women generally have the children they need to take yeah. care of, and other things, like, they don't have as much to rely upon, mm-hmm. but I think every Every job offer does have built in a negotiation mm-hmm. aspect and we need to start examining our fear and mm-hmm. kind of looking at it is it is this a realistic fear or is this something I've just taken upon myself yeah to do because of course a company will pay you less if they mm-hmm. can that's that's money they save that's money towards their investors there's there's so much that goes into it yeah so if they can get a really good worker at a steal of course. Of yeah. course. Why not? We'll definitely do it. But if more people start to negotiate and start to understand their worth, to start to do the research that mm-hmm. you did, then that makes employers have to rethink, do they value someone? Yeah. What are they really willing to pay someone? How do you meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. I don't think on either side that anyone should take advantage of the other. <laughs> Agreed. Like, of course. Yeah. But I love that whole working with that you did with your company of, well, let's meet in the middle. Like, let's, yeah. let's figure it out a little bit. Let's, let's talk about it a little bit yeah. without this fear of, well, they're just, they're not going to give me the job at all. Mm-hmm. If that is what it takes for them to not give you the job, maybe that's not the employer you want to mm-hmm. work with. And that gets super scary. I think when, you're like, well, I can't afford groceries next week, or, oh no, like, yeah. can I pay rent? But I think if we can kind of all do that together a little bit more, mm-hmm. then that makes working conditions a little bit better. Yeah. And doing doing the research beforehand really made me feel better going in, because when they gave me that contract and I was sitting there in somebody's office, I had looked at the numbers that morning and had done the research for a couple weeks beforehand, and I remembered researching it in high school, and I was like... 
this is, you know, this isn't right. And if you go in knowing what the average is in your state, that's important because Arkansas is, you know, cost of living is lower than like California. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't compare it to the United States. You need to kind of compare it to where you are or your region, like the South, because um, okay. generally it's lower cost of living. Mm-hmm. And so going in with that knowledge really prepared me, I think, to be ready of if they undercut me by a ton, mm-hmm. I'm going to uppercut them by a ton, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then they'll have to meet me in the middle because I'll be like, no, I looked this up. I've done the research. The standard is this. Mm-hmm. And that you guys haven't done it. And, you know, they never had a marketing department. So I was like, maybe they didn't do the research, but I did. Mm-hmm. So I had the upper hand. I think I felt like I had the upper hand and I had a, uh, my boss at the time was very encouraging and she thought it was hilarious that I negotiated and they were they were surprised but they liked it mm-hmm. um, I think that's why they gave me them because <laughs> they were just like this intern <laughs> hasn't even graduated yet is negotiating her salary mm-hmm. so I was like yes yes I am <laughs> a little bit of spunk there yeah is that something that has to do with your personality is that how you were raised where do you feel like kind of that that feistiness I guess <laughs> where does that come from I don't know it's a, I think it's more of a, a I've always been a personal, like, push yourself to do better, I guess, kind of person. Like, I don't need outside people to necessarily cheer me on. It's nice, it's helpful, and it does make me sometimes go the couple extra steps that you need when you have other people saying, hey, this is awesome, you need to do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm a very, very much a Mm self-motivator and always a researcher, too. Like, I've always loved learning about stuff, and the continually learning, I think, has helped me get better at my job every day because you know when you start working in templates every day then you feel like you get bogged down Mm -hmm. and there was definitely a span of how do I get creative how do I like not hate my job because it feels like I'm in templates every day and it's like oh you have to start being creative into your job even if there is templates there are other ways to to change the template or come up with a new idea come up with a whole new section of your job that you should be doing that nobody else is doing so I think the self-motivation just kind of is like oh well you could do this and then a couple days later oh you could do this you can do this better and and that keeps life a little more interesting yeah if you're just like set in a schedule creativity yeah. just you get you get in so the rut yes yeah yes. and I was definitely in a creative rut for mm-hmm. for a year at mm-hmm. least when <laughs> I wasn't doing anything I was uh, after college I went to went to work, came home, watched TV, went to bed. And it felt like that was basically every day for a year. Like, still went out with friends or whatever, but it was, like, not doing anything creative, not not doing anything new. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of get in that mindset of, like, okay, I'm in the rut. This is what I do. <laughs> How did you break out of that? The first thing I did was go to the gym. Mm-hmm. That because I realized like oh I used to play sports or I used to you know do stuff like walking across campus every day is enough exercise but now it was I go into a cube and you sit for eight hours so I started going to the gym three or four times a week and it really that kind of like stepped up one motivation started learning yoga on my own did YouTube videos because I was like I am not confident (laughs) enough to go to to a yoga class so I was doing yoga at home um and then it probably took another year to get out after that to really be like, okay, I feel better, I have more time, I've learned how to manage my time, I don't feel drained from going to work. I've gotten used to the schedule of getting up at 7 and being at work by 8.30 and working. Because mm-hmm. that's hard. That's yeah. a, a lot of people don't know that that transition 
will really mess you up. <laughs> but that whole first year of working, it was just like, you know, you're so sluggish. And then after that, it was, it was like, okay, well, I want to learn something new. What do I want to learn? And it was, you know, I was like, well, maybe I'll do more illustration and then blah, blah, blah. And I started seeing this. I finally got an Instagram. It took me forever. I was late <laughs> to the Instagram game. I started following all these artists, and then I started seeing lettering pop up. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so I was like, well, I've always written my name cool, so I'm just going to write my mm-hmm. name cool. And then I was like, well, I really want to learn more about it. So I started getting into podcasts, and so I was like looking up design podcasts to try and get inspiration. And then I was looking up lettering podcasts, and there was only one. Mm-hmm. And it's, shout out, Drunk on Lettering. Okay. <laughs> and it's by two girls, and they're they're awesome. They're you know, they, it was not necessarily a lot about technical. Mm-hmm. It was like getting to know the people behind the lettering. Mm-hmm. But from that podcast, I was able to find all these other letterers and inspiring people and able to follow all of them and then really dive. I dove headfirst into lettering and just suddenly was like, this is what I'm going to do with my time. <laughs> this is going to be my time all the time. So for those who might not know what lettering is, what yeah. is that? So when I, yeah, when I talk about lettering, I mean hand lettering. Mm -hmm. So I do it all by hand. A lot of people have slowly started to move digital, but it's like illustrating letters. It's the easiest way of putting it because it's not just like, okay, here's an A and everybody does the A. It's like taking the A and then building onto it. And it's like, maybe, maybe you make it, you know, with extra tails and loops and spirally. And sometimes you're like, no, I want it to be gross and dirty and you make it look like snot or something and <laughs> so it's taking the letters and being you know out of the box so you have that standard of a through z and everybody knows what they look like but it's expanding on it so it's kind of my two favorite things i have the structure mm-hmm. of the letters mm-hmm. but then it's like build upon that and be as creative as possible and see what you can force it to do with it still looking like itself mm-hmm. There's some things I noticed because you're doing ink. Inktober. Inktober. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's things like you're making spooky looking letters with like fur or yeah. you're using the prompt of flowing to put it in hair on a skeleton. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like those are the, the creative things I, I've noticed you're doing and they're all beautiful. So it's kind of like taking a font, that base, and then kind of, you're kind of using calligraphy, but like calligraphy on steroids. It's like, yeah, like beyond that. Morphing it into something else and... Mm-hmm. I was doing just letters and lately I've been doing more, I want to bring my illustration back because I really enjoyed my illustration classes in college and so it's like, okay, well now I want to like mix the two Mm -hmm. and practice more on illustration and lettering because I've been doing lettering constantly for nine months, ten months, Mm -hmm. so since January I was like, I'm going, I'm going (laughs) to, January 1 I was like, okay, this is it, I'm going to start trying to do it four or five days a week, mm-hmm. not push myself too much, because I had read so many things where people do the 365 days of drawing, mm-hmm. yeah. and you I'm like, out. oh, no, yeah. I mm-hmm. need the one day, so mm-hmm. I'd, you know, use Sunday, my break day, mm-hmm. to draw three, because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, when you know something's coming up on Tuesday, and you're like, oh, well, going out for drinks with the girls after work on Tuesday, well, I'm not going to have time to draw, so I'll just do an extra one on Sunday, and then you kind of have them lined up to post, but still get to practice, and... Mm-hmm. I try not to spend too much time on them because for now, for me, it's still just like getting in the habit and getting to know the letters and figuring out how to use them, how to be creative with it. It's not about perfection for me. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. <laughs> Some, sometimes, <laughs> I think <they're> great. <laughs> sometimes I spend more time on it than others, but if you, if you wait for something to be perfect, you'll never mm-hmm. share it. 
And with your lettering, is that it's just it's a hobby for you? Do you mm -hmm. have a goal for it? It's just trying to practice as much as possible and develop a skill. Yeah, currently, currently it's a hobby, but I've been able to get a couple of side jobs off of it, just that are fun. I've done a couple of chalkboards mm -hmm. in town, um, working on T-shirt design with a girl. So, and it's it's fun stuff because now it's like, okay, I've been practicing for ten months, and now I'm able to like implement it into the world and that's going to be really cool to try and do it. I have sold some prints like uh, I tried to do, or I guess I did do Handmade the Heights. Got some like t-shirts printed that I made and had prints ready and I'm like maybe that'll be on the side and eventually do an Etsy or something but yeah. for now it's still just about the learning the new craft for me and that's the interesting part. <laughs> yeah. So. I think having that consistent schedule and practice is very valuable. Mm -hmm. Have you been able to build a community of other people who do lettering on Instagram? On Instagram, working on it, there's a huge lettering community already mm -hmm. on Instagram, so I'm working on like integrating and mm -hmm. uh, found a handful of people where like it's easy for me to like talk to them or message them. Um, Little Rock, not necessarily lettering specific. I know there's a couple other people that do it because I follow them on Instagram because <laughs> uh, I found them. <laughs> but I am working on getting uh, a local community too. So, and what are some of the ways you've been doing that? Well, <laughs> uh, actually, with Art on the Rocks, which is a drink and draw I do monthly, and we uh, we do it at Fassler Hall. So. And you have one coming up. It'll be actually the day after this podcast goes live, this episode. Yeah, so October 23rd, the fourth fourth Tuesday is what we're trying to stay on, but November and December are going to be a little weird because of the holidays. Yeah. But it's a it's a free event because when I started it, I'd, I'd been to a drink and draw at another event, a conference I went to, mm -hmm. and... They had a theme and it was a contest and everybody had like a loose leaf piece of paper if you wanted to do it. So it was about half the people were drawing for the contest and then half the people were just like mingling and hanging out. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well this is neat. Yeah. But I wanted something to bring back here in Little Rock, but I was like, I don't want to host a contest. Like I want, I want it to be relaxed because I don't want... I don't want creatives to be pressured and thinking they have to create a masterpiece in front of the other creatives and mm -hmm. feel the pressure of has to be perfect because I want, you know, they see all my perfect stuff on Instagram, so what I draw here has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I wanted people that, you know, maybe didn't have as much encouragement in art as I did, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to be encouraged and to come anyway. So we've, we're on our... Fifth? Yeah, we're on our fifth one. <laughs> Count. Awesome. So we've had now we've had med students come and they they come because they're like we need a break. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny how many creatives are just like I wish I would have done science. And mm -hmm. so it's they're close and they think, but all these med students are just like oh well I'm not a good drawer, I'm not a good artist. And I'm like well that's why we're drawing on the table. Right. <laughs> you know with sharpies you can't yeah. erase. And I'm gonna throw it away through the night unless you want to cut it out and take it home. Yeah. And then we have little kids, mm -hmm. and I, I love that little kids are really interested in coming in. Sometimes they're the most creative ones there. Like, yeah. they, they come in with an idea, mm -hmm. and they're so excited, and I'm like, well, this is good for them because they can see a, commu a community when they're young, mm -hmm. that there are other artists, and they do this for a living, and maybe when they're a little older, and if they keep coming, you know, when they're a teenager, they might be like, oh, well, 
maybe I can ask these other people here what they do and just start getting ideas of how they could get into the creative industry and start doing it. Yeah. And that, so I came to the last one, the September one, and it was great. I did feel a little self-conscious because it felt like everybody was freshly out of college or still in college, and I'm like, oh well. It's been a while for me, um, but I didn't. No one made me feel that way. That was my own yeah. kind of things that I fit into. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm old. We had <laughs> we had some older people there. Just, everybody looks young. Yeah, everyone does. It's true, yeah. and everyone was so nice. And it can be really intimidating trying to go to an event like that, especially because mm -hmm. we hadn't met at that point. We had kind of introduced ourselves to each other online. We're part of the mm -hmm. same networking group, but we hadn't met in person. So I I was like I. I it, the idea of this makes me really uncomfortable, um, but I'm going to do it anyway yeah. and kind of see. And if it had been horrible, worst case scenario, I just excused myself early and went home. Um, but it was wonderful, and everyone was so nice and, and so welcoming, and I, I learned a lot about everybody I met, and I just, I felt, you, you, you had created this atmosphere where I felt like I was instantly included and part of the group, which is, I think, difficult for groups to mm -hmm. do sometimes, especially because a lot of you guys did know each other already. Um, it can be very difficult for a new person to feel like they belong, but I, that's not how I felt at all. Good, <laughs> like good. I felt like, oh, I, I can do this. That's great. Because I went by myself. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Because uh, when we had two tables, I the first night I was table hopping so much because mm -hmm. I was like, no, I want everybody to know, like, hey, I want you here. I'm glad you came. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were other graphic designers there, and one guy was... Uh, like worked at UAMS or something, I don't remember, mm -hmm. some kind of medical, and he was like, oh man, I work on a very small team, so I don't really get to talk about all my graphic design stuff, and I'm like, that's how I feel, so we probably <laughs> talked for like 30 minutes straight about yeah. technical graphic design stuff that mm -hmm. we don't really get to talk to people about, mm -hmm. and so that's part of the community too, is you can either come and have fun and relax, or if you've been hankering to like show somebody a drawing that you've been working on, somebody there will have an opinion, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or if you just want to talk about technical stuff, there's usually another either designer or or just a painter or whatever there that you can talk about and find. Mm -hmm. I think there's one woman she pulled out needlepoint. I think she yeah, did. Yeah. So even if you bring another project, um, but that's also what I love about the creative process is uh, being able to come to a safe place and kind of expose that part mm -hmm. of yourself a little bit and meet other artists. It's yeah. fantastic. Okay, what else do you do? So you have a full-time job. <laughs> you do lettering as a hobby. You started this Art on the Rocks. Yeah. You also do some freelance work. I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have time to sleep? <laughs> Barely, but... Uh, and I do see my husband and go out um, with the girls, like, regularly. And mm -hmm. <laughs> some, of this, some of the freelance work, it's been everything. Like, I've done freelance paintings for people, watercolor, acrylic... This one guy, he wanted me to, my friend Jordan, that you actually mm -hmm. met. Um, yeah, very nice man. He wanted to have me paint in something, um, and it was professional, good for nothing. So I got to do a little bit of lettering, mm -hmm. and then I, my favorite class was figure drawing. So I got to do, I did him, and he didn't know I was going to do him. <laughs> uh, like, sleepy with, uh, laying, leaning back against a tree or something, and then he wanted me to digitize this watercolor painting so he could eventually print it, put it on his drum set. Oh. And so I'm like, that's the coolest project <laughs> so you know I've, and I've done a little bit of music I've done a uh, album design for somebody and then did their Spotify cover done a couple working on a logo mm -hmm. for like and I'm doing a lot of stuff for her gonna do like a logo and promo flyers and stuff so it's kind of she, she's gonna be a front project because mm -hmm. <laughs> we probably have like five things we're gonna work on now oh, and then in awesome. the future um, some more stuff doing a t-shirt design that's based on logo on the lettering that I've been doing 
And she, I sent her my Instagram, and she looked through all of it and was just like, oh my god, this is so cool. It's great. Yeah. So yeah, my my freelance has kind of been everywhere right now, because I don't want to nail it down, because so far it's like, I really like doing albums and mm-hmm. stuff with music for people, because, yeah. you know, I was never good at music, but I always wanted to be. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's kind of like the most badass creative field you can kind of go into. I think yeah. it's kind of like the the take on it. But. Yeah. <laughs> like if I could do album, like that was my my dream. I think freshman year was like I want to do album art and music mm-hmm. posters and blah blah blah. And I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll keep working on it. Uh, yeah. Do it for fun as a side. But. So what mediums do you work in? It sounds like you kind of dabble in a lot. In everything. Yeah. Everything. Watercolor has been new. I remember trying watercolor in middle school and I hated it. It's a frustrating medium. I was so angry. Yeah. And I, I've seen mm-hmm. other people say like, oh, I have 30 layers of watercolor. And I'm like, I'm still like, no, <laughs> two is yeah. the max because I'm impatient, mm-hmm. which is why I like acrylic because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it dries almost instantly and I can just layer and layer and layer. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, if I'm doing physical, it's that. Lately, I've been doing a lot of pen and colored pencil for my lettering. That's mm-hmm. mostly what all of that is. And then a lot with InDesign and mm-hmm. Illustrator. Yeah, because so. you can draw directly in Illustrator. Mm-hmm, but I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can, yes. Um, I, I still like to do hand drawings first, mm-hmm. and then I can scan it in. Okay. And then I can kind of just, like, clean it up with a pen tool mm-hmm. or, like, actually have the tablet with the pen that you draw mm-hmm. on top of. Like, I have a Wacom tablet okay. that's, like, five years old, but it yeah. works. Yeah. Um, Do it, and then you can cut it out if you need to, like put it in a logo or mm-hmm. anything. Okay. Yeah. So that way you still get like the handmade feel mm-hmm. of I did it here. Yeah. Because if I'm gonna hand draw it and I'm telling somebody like, hey, I am hand doing this for you. I, we we want to make your logo special and make it look I don't know, make it look hand done because your business is a local business. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to look corporate. Well, then I don't yeah. want to use a corporate font. Mm-hmm. I want to hand make something that fits your business perfectly rather than spending five hours looking through fonts and hoping I find the right one. Yeah. Like when I talk to them, like, yeah. no, I have the idea. Here it is. Let me just make it. Yeah. And then it gets the hand, you know, the, the little imperfections, I think, that make people go into it, mm-hmm. you know, they connect with it, because they're just like, oh, it's a logo for their business, but it's not perfect, Yeah. which I think lets people connect easier. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're kind of all looking for that feeling of perfection or having the polished image, mm-hmm. but I think the best sense of community comes when you invite someone over when your house is a little bit messy, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. They feel a little more at home, mm-hmm. and that sounds like that's what you're trying to do with the logo, so yeah. that's pretty neat. It's kind of been, this whole year, it's been like... It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. So since I started the lettering, it's been, you know, I can relax a little. It doesn't, mm. I don't need to line up everything perfectly uh, and measure it out. I don't want to make sure each serif, like those little things that are on the edge of a letter, each mm-hmm. serif is, you know, a quarter inch for each letter. I'm mm-hmm. not going to go measure. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm working on InDesign, yeah, I can pull down the bar that auto measures for me and make sure everything lines up and it's pretty and but that's page layout, mm-hmm. and it's already—it's all on the computer. But if I'm doing it by hand, I very rarely use a ruler. <laughs> yes. And there are things that are very pleasing to the eye when you have the the photo lined right up with the font. You know, that's mm-hmm. great. Or you're, you're curving the text around an image just so. Like to me, oh my god, that's great. But yeah. when you're you're hand drawing, like there is—I do think there is beauty and kind of a little imperfection, mm-hmm. like my personality or you know this creative piece yes. on the page. Yeah, so that is great. What are some of your goals? moving forward is that it sounds like you're kind of writing it out seeing what certain things happen do you have anything specific you're working on 
I definitely want to cr like get Art on the Rocks to really vamp up. Currently, Fassler has been really easy to work with. They've been letting me have basically any Tuesday that I tell them, they're just like, I would never have to negotiate on a date. They're just like, okay, yep, yeah, that's perfect. It's great because that's just money for them because there's no charge to participate, but you just buy beer or yeah, food, food or whatever. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were super excited when I called them. They were just like, "Oh, that's an awesome idea!" Mm -hmm. And they were gung ho about it from the beginning. So I really like working with them because they were just as excited about it as I was when mm -hmm. I started. So definitely want to keep working on that. Um, I'm trying to get more involved in the art community in general. Like I'm going to start volunteering today, actually, oh, okay. at the Arkansas Art Center. Nice. Um, my friend Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be doing that, trying to do that a little more. Personal professional goal, going to be on the 20 in their 20s. Yeah. The That's my goal for next year. Like, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. If I can do it next year, that's my goal. Yeah. Like, if I keep doing all these things, side business, working, working my ass off at current job, <laughs> you know, they notice, they appreciate it. Um, yeah. And that's, that's why I still like working at a corporate job is because they, they appreciate it. And there's a lot of people that are like, you've never worked in an agency. You don't know what it's like. And I'm like, I've talked to enough people that work in an agency. And they say, you get, you get good at one thing, and then you always get that one thing. Mm -hmm. like, so if you're good at flyers, you'll only make flyers. And then it's just a different color palette every time or different whatever but I get to work with the same brand same color palettes same fonts which sounds boring but it's like I get to use those same restrictions and push it as far as possible mm -hmm. and bend it and try and make it look like us but still be creative and the people at my job are really open to new designs and if I come up, come up with something sometimes they'll be like oh that's really cool let's use this going forward and then suddenly I have a new template and it's already boring yeah <laughs> but you know, it's it's something I still created for us, and you got to push it. And then sometimes they're just like, eh, I think I like the other one better. And you're like, okay, well, just means next time I have a chance to spend a little more time on it, I'll try something different. Mm -hmm. um, but there's all there's so many ways to push the same five things out into the world. Yeah. But if you're always the flyer person, you're only doing flyers. I got to do photography, social media, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. So it keeps it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been a theme, I think, recently, that being creative means be, being a problem solver. Yeah. So you have to think, you do have to kind of step outside of what is obvious and twist it around. That's what I like to compare that yeah. to writing. So the first idea you have in writing or any other creative field, everybody else has probably thought of it, right? Like that's yeah. the, the most common thing that comes to mind. So, But when you pick it up and you twist it around a little bit, maybe you flip it upside down, that's where you start to really get creative. And I've had people tell me, well, like, I don't want to read because then that means my idea isn't original or I don't want to like subconsciously take on someone else's idea. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you look at the greats, the great writers, the great creatives, they are absorbing other things constantly yeah. because that allows them to, to flip something around and think about it differently and even make a commentary on the common stuff, yeah. right? When you're just creating in isolation, you're not able to push yourself at all. Agreed. Yeah. And I've had a couple of people ask me, like, how do you get your ideas for all these things? And I'm like, it's so easy to go on Instagram and find current artist stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's fine to kind of look at and kind of see what everyone else is doing. But I like to go on Pinterest or mm -hmm. Google Images and look up, like, 
I'll pick 1900s flyers or mm. vintage tin, tin cans and kind of see what used to be done. But then when I'm drawing it out, I don't have a reference image because mm -hmm. then it's like you draw from memory so then it warps it a little so then it becomes your own as you're drawing it because you're not staring at this image and trying to make it exactly like theirs yeah. because you want it to be your own and so you you know you kind of accidentally combine this vintage tin with this Instagrammer that you saw you know you take a color that you liked from them and you take the style from here and then you remember something else from your own mind that you're like oh this would be really cool with it and then you end up with your whole own thing but mm -hmm. once you start copying people verbatim that's where the problem is like yes it's practice and it's it's okay to look at them but don't post it and claim it as your own and that's a big difference between um, stealing, mm -hmm. which is what that is, when you just copy it verbatim, and inspiration. Yeah. So inspiration says, I take an element of this and I absorb it into here and I create something new. Outright theft is like, <laughs> I'm going to take what you did exactly, and I'm not putting any of myself in it. I'm not transforming it at mm -hmm. all. So yeah. those are two very different things. There was something else I want to touch on briefly, to this idea of community and starting to talk about stuff like that. So talking about inspiration, talking about how you transform, but also talking about how much you charge, you know, as a, as a freelancer. Mm -hmm. So there was um, some things that had come up and you mentioned, we should be talking about how much we charge yeah. when we, you know, pitch to clients. Why do you feel that is? Well, I was listening to a podcast that Drunk on Lettering one actually, they went on to do a class um, and I've heard them speak in person and been to a workshop of theirs and it, they're very open with it and they said something that really resonated with me that like all plumbers know what all plumbers charge so if I call a plumber he's gonna say it's $50 an hour and then I call a different plumber he's gonna say it's $50 an hour mm -hmm. so they're all on the same rate mm -hmm. so they all get paid what they want yeah. so why are we as designers hiding that because I don't want to undercut everybody by a ton and I don't want to like overprice myself three times just because I don't know what the standard is in Little Rock and we're, nobody's talking about it because everyone's too afraid of like well they can't know how much I'm making or well what if I don't value my time as much as they value their time or you know my skills aren't as good as their skills that last one is something to consider a little mm -hmm. but you shouldn't undercut yourself by 50% just because you know you're so desperate to get the word. Exactly. It, it really should come down to personality, style, <laughs> and even location. Like, yes. I think those should be the more important things than the price. Like, of course, you have a budget. Yeah. Um, but if everybody's charging the same and we can accept what writing costs or what graphic design costs, then that has to force you to look at other things a little bit more. Yeah. And that's also why I want to um, network with people in my field mm -hmm. because one person can't do all the work and one person can't even do that work the way maybe the client wants. So that's where personality comes in. Yeah. Right? I don't want to write something super dry and boring. I want to <laughs> write stories and I want to yeah. share the stories. But if I know, if I can network with a writer who loves that dry stuff and can mm -hmm. make it interesting and engaging, then maybe that's something I could pass on to that yeah. person instead of trying and failing and not doing a great job of it myself. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that is another thing with the community because like I can know other graphic designers and I could do web if I wanted to it's not where my passion is um so it's like if somebody came to me and they're like oh i want a website then i could be like i know the perfect person mm -hmm. path along and, but then you kind of you know you pass somebody along and you hope they pass somebody back or you know if they're working on the website and they're like oh but we want a hand lettered header for each page well hopefully they would 
bring that back to me instead of them trying to hand letter because maybe they don't have an experience any experience doing it mm-hmm. so you you kind of want that share because and sometimes you just kind of trade for services so if I if I know somebody in photography and I'm like hey I need I need a headshot and I need some photos you know taken of my work well then I'll design you a logo for your photography and we'll kind of you know we'll trade and make it even yeah. I think that's okay in the creative fields because you're working together and then you know, you have that connection, that bond of working together, yeah. and then you'll you'll be like, oh, photo. I just saw somebody on Facebook say they need a photographer. I'm gonna recommend my friend mm-hmm. because we work together and I liked her stuff and I have personal reference now. Yeah, I think trading in the creative community is huge and helps everyone, especially when you're first starting out because mm-hmm. you might not have the money, but you do have the skill. Yeah. So why not trade it? And that's um, that's how I feel about the podcast. I'll never accept trades for being on the podcast because I want this to be true storytelling and yeah. not money for it. But I'm like, if you have something else that's related to my skill and I could trade you away from the podcast, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. You know, so I do. I appreciate stuff like that. So if people want to contact you, find your work. Where, where can they find you? Um, I have a Facebook page and Instagram where I post all my lettering. The Facebook does more of the design work as well, so as soon as I finish a design project like logo, it'll go on there. It's The Facebook is Katie Rains Designs. The handle is just K Rains Designs, all one word. And then my Instagram handle where I post all my daily lettering is It Rains Katrina. Because Katrina is my full name. And Rains is R A I N E S. Yes. Not like Rains, like downpour. Yeah. (laughs) This has been Sustaining Craft with Elizabeth Silverstein and my special guest today, Katie Rains. This podcast would not be possible without the help of some friends. Original artwork by Morgan Elaine of The Inkling Girl. Audio editing by Joshua Kurtz. And original music by Jim Chiago. Catch him playing under Nomad Neighbors through Denver on most weekends or under Spotify and iTunes under 7 Second Chance. Katie, before we sign off completely, do you have any advice for someone either in a creative field or graphic design specifically? Uh, In a creative field, I would say just if you're finding yourself in a rut, find that passion project or something on the side to work on. Because if you're creating for a job, you still need that other space to get out what you want, not what somebody's paying you to get out. So find it. And there's so many podcasts and so many different things to do that, you know, it's going to suck. <laughs> it's going to suck for the first, you know, month or two you do it. And that's what makes it fun.